Hello, everyone, and welcome to Babylonia Media and our very first podcast series, The Entrepreneur's Experience. When they're starting off on their journey, entrepreneurs love being surrounded by other creative and energetic people working in flexible workspaces. So it's very appropriate that this series is sponsored by SpaceMade. SpaceMade transforms buildings to create enjoyable and immersive working spaces for entrepreneurs and remote workers alike. We in Babylonia have a space at one of the locations and have found it a great environment to work in. SpaceMade has accessible workspaces throughout the UK. Check them out at www.spacemade.co. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Okay, that one says Gadget upside down. But other than that, there's no sign of my name anywhere. I like no branding. What, you're, you're saying merch is personal branding. Yeah, merch is, just, is never satisfied. No, merch for me is like print on demand, like crappy, like, oh, this is all bespoke. Okay. We do everything, no, end, that. everything end to end. Well, just so you know, guys, this is a really, really good hoodie. I've worn it many a time, especially to the gym. And uh, yeah, never be satisfied. Um, on the Gadzi point, by the way. Yeah. Actually, let's, we're rolling, yeah? So just very quickly. Hi, guys. Welcome to Babylonia Media. This is the Entrepreneur's Experience, second episode. Iman Gadzi, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So just quickly before we uh, do anything, I want to make a caveat for the episode, which is that I am very, very friendly with Iman, but he has said I can ask him absolutely everything, and uh, that's awesome. Uh, Gadji. Let's talk about the word Gadji quickly. I used to call you Gadzi all the time. Yeah. Sorry about that. Don't worry. So Gadji, so just that, that, that background, where, where's that from? So, I mean, Gadji, this is why I don't really mind people calling it like Gadzi. The, or, the, the Western version. Whatever works, honestly, because the... It's not even my technically my full real name. My full real name is Gajima Gomenov. Yeah, like that's my full last name. So that's from a place called Dagestan cool. in Russia. So cool. uh, yeah, very interesting place. If you go on a UK government website right now, like you know they have those travel restrict or like travel advice things. Don't it, don't it, go to. It, it's it's, it's to at the worst. It's like we strongly advise against you not going. And were you, were you born there? Yeah. Okay. But you, you came here quite quickly, right? Yeah, so I was born there, lived there for the first four years of my life, and sure. then moved here. Okay. Do you speak Russian as well? I did, and then as, funnily enough, as I was learning English, there was a big like push on me uh, from my mom and big pressure to learn English. Sure. So as I started doing that, I, you know, to practice, I would speak uh, English at home rather than Russian. Mm -hmm. As that happened, simultaneously, I started to forget russian fine fine so i can read well, I can well if you don't speak it at all i guess that's normal but yeah i can read i can write if someone speaks to me i can respond in english it just takes me a little too long to okay, think about what fine, i want to fine, say fine. well you just leave when you're full to be fair yeah. um before obviously my audience in particular probably won't know too much about you so uh the first question i would be is just like what companies do you have and, and how many companies do you have and what what's going on with them yeah for sure so main business is ig media it's an advertising agency mm -hmm. that has morphed uh, ever since 2016, uh, that's our in August of 2016. And at the time, that's our which which you started when you were very young, right? Yeah, I was 16 at the time. Okay, so just for perspective, guys, Iman's 20 now. <laughs> yeah, I'm a decade older than him. Anyway, so, sorry, carry on. So yeah, started that, and at the time, I didn't really know what. Like for me, it was as simple as I am providing a service to a business in return for a monthly fee. Like the idea of like retainer was foreign to me. The idea of like you know having a marketing agency or an advertising agency like that was all entirely foreign to me at the time um so i signed my first client of august 2016 and for the next year and a bit i was just solely a creative agency and and you were still at school at this point so i was in school i ended up dropping out of school in march of 2017 fine yeah. so it's, as soon as you just 
saw the light, so to speak, in a financial term, you just thought... Yeah, so I I made a promise to myself. I remember I traveled to Amsterdam in February of 2017, and that was my what, first. What did you do in Amsterdam, Emma? <laughs> for work, actually. <laughs> okay, fine, so fine. Um, so I had a shoot with Bang and Olufsen, one of their stores out there. Cool. cool. Um, and that was like the first time I ever got technically like paid to travel. Um, and I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I made a promise to myself, as I, I remember, I was sitting window seat. I made a promise to myself that like once I get to a point where I have four times my monthly outgoings and including rent, because at the time I was just still living at home with my mom. Uh, sure. with my mom. Once I had that in either a deposit, in either written contract or an actual lump sum, um, then I drop out of school. And how long did that take? Six weeks. Okay. <laughs> so it, was a, it wasn't a slow burner? No. I, so I, my second big client, or well, actually not my second, honestly, my first big client. So from August of 2016, I signed my first client. And March, right beginning of March of 2017 is when I signed my second client, a company called Athlete. Um, now rebranded to Gemflow. It's funny. They used to be a client of mine. Now I'm a client of theirs, interesting. Uh, which is very, very interesting. But um, I signed them. And then within the space of seven days, yeah, within seven days, I signed two more or three more clients. And uh, at that point, I have four clients. I was making around six grand a month. And, and that was, so you're saying six weeks in? Yeah, six okay. weeks after making that, but, I promised myself. Just on that point of, um, you know, the, the early business side, Obviously, I, I, you know, even doing this now with what I'm doing with, with Babylonia, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I've obviously done other businesses before, smaller ones, not so creative or whatever it may be. But I find, even in this one and in past experiences, that the early stage of the business is such a balancing act mm. that obviously the obvious thing of being very organized and good preparation is essential. But um, lots of small targets seem to be easier than the bigger picture. Like write the bigger picture at the start for sure. But um, and put it down and have it in your head and have that sort of working document. I'm assuming you've got something similar. But for me, and I'd be interested to know what you think about this, especially when you were so young and organization for a teenager is not necessarily the, uh, the easiest thing to accomplish. But I find smaller targets, initial targets r- really, really work for me. And just occasionally I'll look back or sorry, or take a moment and say, oh, yeah, this, this contributes to that bigger picture. But that that has been essential to me in, in, in this business so far, and we're extremely early. So mm-hmm. is, is that something that works for you a lot? Yeah, 100%. As you said, especially in those early stages, it's all about getting those initial early wins and getting into, um, I, th- I think the book's called um, The Winner Mindset or something, something like that. But basically that goes into the, the science and the psychology behind, or it's called The Winner Effect. Okay. Um, we will actually get into books a bit later. Gosh. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, like, I needed to get, I needed to kickstart that process of the winner effect. I needed to get those first few wins under my belt and prove that to myself. Mm-hmm. At that stage in the business, there was no point, you know, dreaming ahead to like, ah, you know, I'll get to a point where my team is now 10 this month. And, you know. Did, did you even have a bigger goal at start? Or was it just, it was just literally just get this done month by month because it was, you had that urgency. It was more just, just let me get a bit of money and let's keep going, keep going, keep going. And then you developed a bigger picture later on. Whereas for me, it's, been the opposite not necessarily in a bad way but i've really got a bigger picture mm. but obviously i understand the smaller goals but i've really thought that out whereas you were you just straight just month by month so to speak mm. yeah so for me you know i always say people do things out of inspiration or desperation and like my starting my business good phrase good phrase yeah. i like that okay you know my my business was not 
out of inspiration. I was like, oh, you know, this is awesome. Blah, blah. Like it was out of pure desperation. Yeah, it wasn't so much visionary. It was just, yeah, you got yeah, to like, get I, I need a practical business. And like, that's the thing. When I signed my first client, like I didn't realize what I was embarking on. Even when I signed my second, third client, like I didn't like, you know, now my industry, you know, having an agency and especially the way that I run things, lean boutique agency, uh, remote agency, you know, it's referred to as, you know, SMMA or advertising agency or like, like it's a, there's a name to it at the time. I didn't realize I was starting an advertising agency or an S like for me, it was literally just like, and also it's grown so much in the past few years anyway, mm. that it's, there is more terms for it. Whereas maybe when you started, was there even those sort of terms out there? I, I think what's changed over the last like three, you know, I'm coming, well, I actually just had my fourth anniversary as an agency owner. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, like when I started, you know, things were simmering here and there, but for the most part, like most agencies, and to be honest, even to this day, 95% of agencies are the really just uh, archaic, old office. I mean, maybe not so much anymore with offices, but like offices, uh, you know, 20, 30 staff, like my, um, you know, I call him my product manager, but really he's my COO. He is, he worked at one of those agencies. In fact, I actually uh, interned one day. It was at Times Magazine, their marketing subsidiary. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I firsthand got to see like what a slow, archaic, just poorly run agency looks like. And the worst part is an agency, you know, most agencies out there are operating at five to 15% margins. I don't think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I don't obviously know a huge amount about your industry mm -hmm. in general, but everything I've done from, you know, restaurants and events, anything below 20, and including real estate as well, mm -hmm. actually, anything below 20, it just, it's hard, it's really hard to justify the risk. And, mm -hmm. and I know to some extent, something like yours, in the early days, it's not too risk heavy, mm. but anything less than 20% to me just almost seems, almost seems alien. Mm. Yeah. And those businesses that, you know, decided the risk was worth it, especially in a time like now, and especially over the next, uh, you know, 24 months, I'd say they're going to hurt. Okay. Okay. And just, you know, you said archaic, mm -hmm. which is obviously an interesting way to, to term for uh, interesting term for businesses. Mm. What, what, so what, what are they doing that's archaic in your opinion? And what um, what are you doing that's so different? And how many, should we say, competitors are out there that you really feel are direct competitors that are doing similar things and really mm. innovating the market? Mm. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the biggest issue that you're going to find is the fact that you go to most agencies and they're going to sell you on all these different packages and they're also going to try to upsell you on all this extra crap. And they do eight different things, you know, the full service agency. And... So, so elaborate on that a bit. So you're saying when you say the full service, they do eight different things. What do you mean? You know, they'll do your social media marketing, uh, you know, management, they'll do your ads, but then they'll also create content for you. And then they'll also maybe do your SEO and this, we do one thing and that's it. We run paid traffic mm -hmm. for one sort of client yeah, and so, that's so it. Anything either side of that, not interested? No, no. no. And we just won't take on. Why, why that decision? And did you have a moment where you were trying to be that classic, do absolutely everything? Or is it, was it, was it very much you? recognize these even from an early stage that just you know keeps your niche because i know some people and i know i even said before mm. before we were on air uh, or recording sorry that i what i'm trying to do is actually kind of the opposite in the sense mm. I, my, my my niche is that i don't really have a niche mm. it's about conveying ideas but you you were always stuck on that niche straight away no so when i first got started the first year to be honest it was kind of like i'll work with anyone that wants like will pay me you know what yeah, I mean? And, and, I, and I was signing, I was signing good, you know, at the age of 17, I was signing good retainers, 2,500 pounds a month, 1,900 pounds a month, 1,500 pounds a month, you know, those stack up. Um, but there was no process. That, like, I remember I got to a point where I was making 10 to 15K a month. 
um, at the age of 17, you know, dropped out of school. Which is obviously wild numbers for age and the stage of the business as well. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, I just feel like a slave to the business. Like, I don't, like, for me, one of the, I'd say, honestly, yeah, one of the most important things about having a business owner, I feel as though is that certain self-respect, like being able to look yourself in the mirror and know that you are a respected business owner, uh, you're, you're respected in the marketplace and the market values you. I didn't feel like that. Like, I just felt like a glorified contractor. But, but was, was the early stages regardless necessary? That would be the point. Looking back on it, do you feel it was necessary regardless for the obvious things of learning, trial and error? Yes, of failure? yes, but I could have done what I did. You know, for me, my agency really took a, um, a J curve up in April of 2018, which is when I decided, okay, scrapping. At that point, I was just doing one service, but I honed in on one niche, really properly honed in on one niche, I actually changed niches, which is what we work with now which is e-commerce. Technically, I work with two, but there's enough synergy that, um, you know, it, it's fine. We work it's, with, it's, it's in a category yeah. that works. Yeah, yeah. we work with yeah. info product and e-commerce businesses. Okay. But um, yeah, for the first year, it was literally just like whoever will work with me. Sure. And um, and I was which, also- Which is like you said, it does relate to the desperation aspect, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, you know, I was offered, like I remember those August of 2017 at that point, um, I remember one of my biggest clients I actually dropped that month, a company called Zebra Fuel. I'm still good friends with the owner, but um, I remember sending off a proposal and that proposal had like, because, you know, naturally clients start asking for things, but that doesn't mean that's their true intention. You know, they're like, oh, do you offer this? Or like, have you thought about this? Or like, you know, do you have any experience with well, this? In, in the sense, because you're performing so well in that aspect. Yeah. And, and uh, you just, they just naturally want to know more. And I remember at one point I sent a proposal for a website never built a website before. Right. I, I sent him a proposal for SEO. Yeah. Never done SEO before. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. So so you, you first website? Yeah. First one, never done a website before. SEO. Um, I think there was some influencer stuff in there. And then consult, like, it was just a whole shit show. But that's how most agencies run. Yeah. You know? Just, and, you think you can do it or just, just throw shit at a wall and see where it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for me, the reason my agency works so well is because I've stripped away every single ounce of complexity. We offer one service to one niche, uh, even down to little things like the onboarding. My onboarding is automated, you know, because most agencies... By the way, for, for absolute novices, what is onboarding? Uh, onboarding is basically just what you said, to, how you bring on a, a new client once, they, you know, once they've signed and once you guys have come to an agreement. My onboarding takes 60 minutes, but I don't have to do anything. They do everything. I send them a link to the agency onboarding, and then over the uh, seven steps, they've, well, they've already paid the invoice at that point, and I have everything on auto billing. So, you know, and uh, is that quite unique even now? I think, uh, yes, the way that I run things and the way that, you know, I show people to run things, you know, it's not unique. But once again, like the, you know, I always say my agency is, you know, lean, mean, results driven agency. Yeah. You know, and it's it's a boutique agency. And at the end of the day, we still make up probably five percent of the marketplace you know people who run an agency the way that, that i run an agency and the way that i tell people to run an agency okay and you know as i said n the other 95 percent of agencies out there are still just your kind of bog standard um you but know do, you do sign you, do you do you see sorry to cut you off there but do, do you see any use to the, the more old-fashioned version is there is there is there room for maybe a sort of boutique notion of it or or do you just think it's no. just it's just completely they're no. just not catching up with the innovation no it's just, but i mean that's in the same way that obviously you have experience with real estate and, you know, even just like moving into this new place, like there's so many things as a service provider myself, I looked at with Savills, you know, 
and, I, and I'm just like, this could have done, this could have been done so much better. Yeah, well, they definitely, a company like that would always re- sort of rest on their laurels a bit and rely, but I mean, rely even on their reputation. Things, it would like e-signatures. Like I remember when I moved into my last place two years ago, couldn't do e-signature. And I just thought it was preposterous. Like there's just so, there's honestly just so much out there um, that could be optimized. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. You know, I happen to be in the advertising agency, but yeah. you can take that same principles. But of, you, you are obsessed with, with efficiency as well, right? And, yeah. and processes in general. Yeah, because I know that as things scale up, like that's the biggest issue with business owners is as things ramp up, once you get to a certain velocity, then that's where everything breaks. Yeah, I, I agree. I know that my, I'm looking at every single part of my agency and I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm basically going, for me, my entire business and, and entrepreneurship to a lot of people seems like it's like this rock star lifestyle and it's like, meetings yeah. and this and that like yeah that yeah. is the farthest thing from the truth like I, t- I, t- I totally agree that's actually something i want to get onto but, but but i'll let you finish but before i say that i totally agree it's like people need to understand and this is definitely a reason why i want to do this series in particular that there is there is a really unglamorous part of what you're doing though it can become glamorous if you mm. do it right but you know for example you you um you easily work 10 to 12 hours a day, right? Mm. Without fail. Mm. I mean, obviously I'm a friend of yours, but I often don't hear from you for weeks and I'm okay with that. <laughs> but my point I'm trying to say is that it, uh, it really is hard graph to a level that, that is, you know, you have to, you will make serious sacrifices. Mm. But I, I've actually just forgotten where you were going before that. Processes, yeah, that sort no, of thing. No, I was just saying with entrepreneurship, it's not like this rock star lifestyle. And it's like, if you've got an entrepreneur who's go and, Look, there are different stages of entrepreneurial journey, but like for me from zero until at least at least seven figures a year. As an entrepreneur, you should not be going to like if you're an entrepreneur and you're going from meeting to meeting to me, like I know for a fact you don't have a successful business like that for a fact. And you don't have there there are those meeting meeting hounds, so to speak, who just think, yeah. Go meet amazing chat shit for a while, and I, and I will do. We'll Go do have it. a drink we'll at Soho House. Exactly, and know, schmoozing is connect, great. Connect, connect, yeah, no, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, all that stuff, and you know, entrepreneurship really is like I consider myself an engineer more than anything. I consider myself a person who's at any given moment I'm looking at the structural integrity of my ship, sure. of my business, and that leads back to your sort of obsession with processes and systems and that sort of thing. Exactly, and that's why, for example, like the past two months, I don't want to say I've taken off of work, but like. The past two months, I've been at twenty to thirty percent because I had uh, obviously I was in Manchester boxing, and then which which went well, yeah, which went well, yeah. and uh, and then you know moving it like you know I had other life um, things that came up, and my ship was still sturdy because I know that you know I'm I'm looking at the ship as a whole, and then I'm looking you know for me really in the agency there's sort of five parts there's um, lead generation, there's sales, there's service delivery, and then there's kind of like uh, operations my operations are as tight as they could potentially get them. Like, you know, my onboarding is, you know, revamped again this year, my onboarding, my communication, the reporting, we we revamped this year. All that is 10 out as with the knowledge I have right now, four years experience, that is a 10 out of 10. I can't do anything else. So now I know that there's only really three other aspects of the agency for me to look at and go, okay, how can I improve the structural integrity of this? Sales, that was one thing the last year I was like, it's so it's good, but I know I can make this better revamp the sales process, move to a different uh, sales process. My CMO does the first 15 minute demo. I do the call now. And the way that I've actually sold is different. Um, I, 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 I heard that you're not into cold calling that much. It's not, it's not your thing. I, no, and I I'm do. saying that based on the, just, uh, you know, this could be complete bullshit, but obviously when, when researching you, so to speak, mm-hmm. 
there's quite a lot of videos saying you're not really well there's, there's one kid in particular i'm sure mm. you know who it is who goes you know Iman doesn't cold call. How does he not? How does he not cold call? Is that is that bullshit or? No, I don't cold call. Okay, but that's that's like. Once again, you need to in the same way you need to find what niche works for you. You need to find what outreach method works for you. Agreed. So I we get eighty percent of our clients through advertising, because we're wizards at advertising. Sure. But also, you need to you know like I might be spending fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred, four grand to acquire a new client, but I know that's fine because first of all, we sign clients on three month minimums. This year, I also moved to signing clients on another five or six month minimums. So I know the lifetime value, the minimum lifetime value of a client for us is never below 20,000 pounds ever, like ever, ever, ever on even on a three month basis. Yeah, even on a three month basis. OK, awesome. so if it's a three month basis, then I kind of refit or like we just the get it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Well, either okay. longer with a lower minimum. And if it's, for example, if it's three month basis, then we might do something like our minimum retainer four grand a month plus a percentage of return on ad spend. And Fine. I'll, so what you're saying is sort of you balance it out. So if there's a lower time, act, yeah. you might do a touch more on the retainer yeah. aspect. The rest is longer. Yeah. Naturally, you would. Yeah. You would. But mo this. most of our okay. clients are staying past that minimum term, anyways. Mm -hmm. But as a, for me, as an advertiser, because I said I'm going, you know, there's a there's a trough. Like I, that's my own money I'm posting up. But anyways, my point is, for the past ever since the beginning of 2019, that's how we get 80 percent of our clients. Prior to that, it was outreach. Now, one thing I will say is I've never, you know. I never did any of the cold calling, but back in 2017, from September of 2017 to it would have been March of 2018. So for that six, seven month period, I had someone cold calling on my behalf. Like, you know, a lot of people know from my community, Esteban. So he was my um, uh, appointment setter. So, yes, I wasn't doing it myself, but that was an out, uh, a form of outreach. And at that time, we were working with gyms and that was the best medium to reach them. Now, I can't. How am I meant to cold call someone who an e-commerce business or an info product business? It's impossible. Yeah. So in my need, that's why, you know, people want simple answers. Yeah, it's, it's discovery at the end of the day. Marketing is discovery, advertising is discovery. So if you just put out the best form of discovering someone, which I think you do anyway, from what I can see, it's it, it makes the most sense, obviously, alongside delivering a delivering a product or delivering a service or proving the numbers is it, huge. Mm. Um, I wanted to touch a bit more on what we what we talked about a few minutes ago with regards to you know the the concept which i know bothers you as well that entrepreneurship is not glamorous mm. um i would ask a question that i hope isn't too invasive but i'd, I'd really okay. like to know your opinion is that are you personally and i know you occasionally you might get a bit of criticism for this in the in say the youtube world mm. but are you personally selling an unattainable dream mm. not at all okay why not at all and here's here's kind of where because, by the way, I would caveat that I don't. I know you well enough to know that you're not. No, and no. and also, I've, I, I, no, you know, I, on top I, of on top of that, I'm going through and saying, you know, you've got, you are part of that. Shall we say, YouTube guru type world because of the education if, company, because of the education company, and you do get slotted into it a bit. I, I definitely think the general consensus on you, regardless of me, mm. is is that. Um, is that you're not really say like you know I don't want to we'll, okay we'll say it, you know people like Ty Lopez or. Who's that crusty guy? What's his name? John John Crastini? Yeah. Is that his name? Stein. Sorry, whoever you are, um, who look like they're saying, you know, do this and you will make money. Mm. You don't you don't seem to be doing that. You're not doing what I call the deceptive mm. uh, marketing aspects. But obviously, you do present a lifestyle, mm. which is which is young people will want that. Mm. And I and and so my question is is it, why? Okay, so going back to the point, are you, why is it not an unattainable dream? Well, a couple of things. First of all, in terms of like the lifestyle marketing side of things. 
I feel as though there's a lot of people who like do the lifestyle mark, like, and they know they're doing the lifestyle marketing. Like for me, it's never, I'm doing the lifestyle marketing. It's like, I'm just living my life. Yeah. And like, you know, we, we'd end up taking like, you know, for the easiest win I could ever have if I want to do lifestyle marketing is buy a car. Yeah. Very easily. I could buy whatever car I want. Yeah. I don't buy a car because that just doesn't make me but, happy. In but, my life. But, but then arguably mm-hmm. why even put that out there in the first place of even having like a, like a, a holiday somewhere or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. And again, I, I have an opinion of why you do it. And I think it works, mm-hmm. but I'd, I really want to hear your version of that first. When I go on, like, for example, I just went on Iceland and mm-hmm. went to Iceland. Like, you know, I just took some cool photos. You know, I, I like film photography, took some, cool... for me, that's social. Like, for example, my Instagram is a hundred, like to me is 80% social, mm-hmm. like it's 20% business. Mm-hmm. Like for me, my Instagram is J just like to keep up with social life and like uh, my friends and this and that um, on my YouTube and stuff like that. Like, I don't really like, I don't post like uh, vlog holidays or like even. Well, yeah, I, I would. I I was thinking about that. You're you're not a vlogger. In, no, and, in, and, in and the sense like, you do you, present stuff you, that is, I'm, and and to some extent, I was thinking about this. Like, do you? Is it bad for younger people or anyone who's aspiring to do the sort of thing you're doing to see a lifestyle that works and that mm-hmm. you, that you that you deserve? And and as long as it's done not done over not over the over sort of over the top, which mm-hmm. I don't think yours is. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you're not also not going well. You know, if you if you if you buy my course or whatever, you have mm-hmm. this lifestyle. You're not. In, I don't think you're doing things in that sort of mm-hmm. intense capacity. So, marketing is marketing at the end of the day to some extent. Yeah. No. And but once again, I just think you can't. You can tell like you can watch someone's content or look what they're doing and see the uh, intent in which it comes from. Like. The, yeah, the, that's that's actually a very good. Way the to the other thing is like when I'm you know really the only l- kind of luxury I have or the thing that like someone look at and be like okay that's a lot of money you spend. For the most part, I'm very very tame with my money. Mm-hmm. Uh, is my watch collection? Sure. Only thing is with my watch collection worth half a million or so. Mm-hmm. I've made money on it. If I was to sell them all tomorrow, even after wearing them for you know year, two years, whatever, I would have. And I've explained that, but kind of you know circling back around to your point of are you selling this unattainable an unattainable thing? I've, you know, me and my team joke all around all the time that if I, and very easily, because I have my own e-commerce company, if I was to start selling educational products, and also because, keep in mind, in my advertising agency, we've sold millions and millions for other e-commerce businesses, so I know how to sell for e-com businesses. If I started selling e-com, uh, e- uh, e-commerce educational products, I would genuinely make four, four to five times as much as I do for my education company. I yeah. know because I have friends who are incredible incredible entrepreneurs but they have sort of course businesses like i have a real edge like i have an education company with seven people with um uh support leads with you know product managers with like people dedicated just to making the product better and the community as good as it can be um and a lot of bloated that's my business where i have a lot of bloated expenses because for me the most important thing is bringing the highest quality product and community you're not too concerned about making major money on it no yeah and as I said, I will never sell anything that I don't believe in. And Fine. that's why I've never, you know, I don't have multiple programs. I teach agency and that's it. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's that the only business that I believe in. And, you know, for me, just genuinely, like, I don't know how there's certain people at night who can sleep trying to. I, make, I agree with that. I think, I think what some of them are selling is, is no, it's try, outrageous, try, to be honest. Trying to make out that for a beginner, the best business model is real estate. Are you having like if you were broke and have no yeah, money like go on air, airbnb and flip rentals i mean it's just, just, it's just not it's, it's, it's not the, true it's the biggest bs or, or ever. the or the amazon thing you know I, I remember fba yeah i mean i remember when i had a few moments of just trying to sort of explore my mm. options and also when i was thinking whether to do this or not mm. 
and you know you can do that classic thing oh it could be great to just sit at home and make a few hundred k a year but i mean it's it's bollocks it's just not it's just not true here's simply what it comes down to is risk reward ratio yeah starting an agency your risk is zero out of pocket if you start an agency today here's and i've released videos on how you can start with zero keep in mind from the first uh, i got to 8k a month with no agency name or agency website nothing mm. and when you start an agency i do recommend that you uh you know create look you can genuinely start with zero but if you just want to do on a little bit of a shoestring budget you get like a, a wix you get a google domain and then you get a g suite that's pretty much all you need a little website which know, is simple. which is to the novice how what is that going to cost uh, you you know a uh, wix i think is 10 pounds a month um google domain is 12 pounds a year so let's say one pound a month uh and then g suite is six pounds per okay user. so it's, it's literally so it, it's, so minimal it's, it's a joke really than yeah. a dinner so yeah. out of pocket you're spending 20 pounds a month on building a business that by the way and here's the other thing that you need to understand i have an e-commerce business for me to do any sort of sizable number we need to have thousands of orders a month with an agency if you get one client you know that pays you 1500 pounds a month it's yeah that's life-changing yeah that's it that's game totally over agree. you know totally agree and especially that especially that concept of you know i don't think everybody is out to which is fine to achieve what you're trying to achieve mm. or, or maybe what i'm trying to do in, in a media sense mm. uh but but if if you can if you can gain like say five six grand a month that is that is life changing changing in the sense of the freedom that you have because mm. of it mm. and i think that's what's great about perhaps what you're doing a bit more than other people you're not saying oh you're going to be a millionaire or anything like that you're you're putting it out there and you're not for me anyway i don't think you're being overly persuasive which mm. which is what bugs me mm. about these you know these get rich quick gurus because it, it it's you know i i one of the reasons why i actually want to do this just in general is 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 i want to be informative and true and real which is uh, maybe that's a bit cliche mm. but what i really want to do is is just make people realistic because mm life is fucking tough it's it's just a fact mm. it's, and and it will not be, it will not be a smooth road and if it is i mean even you who's done stuff so early mm. i'm and this is not something we're going to talk about or, or or broadcast but you've had some real tough tough occasions in your life and oh. and you're still making plenty of money in the background yeah. so i want people to know that and i also for me when i've had tough or you know tumultuous moments interesting enough for whatever reason i'm sure a lot of people have have this as well uh podcasts interviews documentaries an element of youtube because i found the right content really really helped me and that and, and what i mean by that is i wasn't in some awful depressed state but when i really wanted to uh find out what i wanted to do or had was was wondering that you know that sort of classic existential thing that happens in life where you go mm. what do i really want to do unless unless and and that sort of that sort of aspect of life and i obviously had the knowledge of think about what you're good at what your skill set is you know, is there something that actually you care about? What's purposeful, and what what do you enjoy in other industries that you've seen before, and, and these sort of combining aspects? And that is so important to me with what we're doing now, which is why, again, thank you for doing this. I'm so pleased because it's really, really important to stress the 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 point that number one, not many people achieve even what you've done in your time, mm. um, and that's not a problem. It's really, really not a problem. But the biggest thing we can only you know hope to achieve is some sort of some sort of freedom and i think that's what you in a in a should we say calmer manner put out there which um which is which is the big difference yeah plus the other thing is you know i am trying to give people a realistic timeline if you go on you know i have a second channel where i do student interviews every single tuesday i was one of my favorite one of my favorite things is bringing on students that have been the toughest cases i had a student that 
did not get a clan for 18 months and he was i have it on there you know and he's that is probably one of my proudest testimonies. And, and that's so illustrative of the point right that yeah. that you you must be aware that this is not there's not some dream effect at all and i mean you know i will say when it rains it pours and that's negatively and positively, yeah 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 agreed yeah. within 30 days he was making seven grand a month right so yeah it's, it's just so stick to it and it and it you know will come, yeah. come true so to speak. And, and the other thing that i would say and my big statement is i actually don't really care whether you have an advertising like go do something else. what i'm saying the core of it is service-based business if you are starting a business is the best business to start i don't care if you're a personal trainer i don't care if you have a marketing agency or advertising agency I don't care. Like also within, you know, I own growyouragency.com. It's not grow your advertising agency. I haven't have an advertising agency, mm -hmm. but I have people, I have students of mine. And once again, keep in mind, this is not everyone, but I have students of mine making 80 grand a month with their web design agency. I have students making 50 grand a month with their um, graphic design agency. I have, you know, students making 30 grand a month with their creative agencies because they apply the principles into whatever it is they, they do. So, you know, the real point that I want to get across is I, honestly, I couldn't care less whether people have an agency or not. I want you to be, to have, the, the point is, have a service-based business where there's a, Wait, a had, huge, yeah, go ahead. It, it, there's an infinite um, uh, reward to risk ratio. Sure. I want, there to, I want you to hedge your risk because here's the thing, I find it, so, this is why I get so like worked up or I'm just like, I don't know how you can sleep at night, you know, claiming that, you know, this business model, for example, FBA, something where you're three, four grand in the hole because you have to buy a product you know, I know because with my e-commerce line, you know, yesterday we just launched a new product, the masks. You know, with every single product line, I'm five or multi-five figures in the hole in terms of product cost. You know, and I don't see that flip over in revenue for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, sometimes even six months. We had a delay, obviously, with the whole thing going on. With sure. the um, that I won't mention for monetization purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so, you know, I know the, what comes with those other businesses and it's not glamorous and the other thing that i would say is if you spend one year regardless of results i don't care whether by the end you're making 20 grand a month or profit and by the way that's the other thing with my you know when in my community we only talk profit so you'll see other people um once again especially in the e-commerce businesses where they're like oh i'm making like you know 30 grand a month and i'm like no you're not like you're making like four yeah you know um because of all your advertising costs and because you have such a low margin product and that's the other thing is like people you know, you, I'll see this a lot. There's a lot of just obviously, you know, kind of being in the space, uh, which I'd, I'd really started, uh, try to stay as far away from possible. Well, it, it's inevitable. It's going to, you're going to fall into it a bit, but I, I don't, I still do think from everything I've looked at, you're not, I wouldn't say you're labeled mm. in, in that circle. I, I, I've, yeah, you know, I've, I've made a, and I don't really network too much in my, in my industry, to be honest. But, you know, I know the, I know the ugly side of a lot of stuff. There's a lot of people in e-commerce who are, you know, say, oh, look at me, I did a million this month, but they also don't disclose the fact that they literally spent 700 grand to get those results. They are net negative on that ad spend, but they've used that. They don't mind because now they can say, oh, I made a million dollars in a month. I made a million dollars in one week. And then now they can use that as a case study to then go ahead and sell their program without disclosing the fact that they actually lost money on that. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that with it. Possibly even still in the negative, which is why maybe they're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Because they need to fucking get some cash quickly. You, you can't do that with an agency. You know, the, it's just so much more pure. And, you know, the, the real point that I was trying to get across is I don't care what business model you're in, um, whether that is, and once again, I, I just find it preposterous that some people are claiming that real estate is a business model for, it's, it's not. 
Um, I, I agree. I mean, I would just, just sort of interject there and say it, I thought that years ago and it's just not. It's mm. it's something when you've got money and you really understand and you've got money to risk and on top of that, you obviously you need assets regardless. Mm. Yeah, that's that's when you look at it. Get involved in it early, learn how to sell, but don't don't put your own money because number one, it's so vast. The, the only and, thing and on that top works, of that, yeah. The, the just, only thing that works for real estate is deal sourcing. Yeah. But then now you've gotten back to my original point, which is you are providing a service for someone and there's no cost associated well, so completely, you, yeah. If you if you broker certain deals, you're 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 loving life. Yeah, and, so, you, and, and so it's you've completely no risk at all. Yeah, you've mitigated your risk or alleviated all risk, and the upside is there. So once again, that that once again proves my point that when you start a business, when you're beginning, at the beginning, you should be a service based business. I don't. Once again, I don't care if that that means advertising agency or brokering deals. Yeah. Um. But print the principle of how you do it is is the most important thing to you. And the other main thing that I think is so important and such a big takeaway is. If you are an absolute beginner and you start any of these other business models and you go a year, and once again, it doesn't matter if you end up getting no, even with an advertising agency, if you get no results for a year and you know, you compare that to running e-commerce business and getting no results for a year, the person you are, and I, you know, I don't mean to say this in a very, like, I just mean in a very pragmatic way. I think one of the reasons that, you know, as I said, you know, I have buddies of mine who, you know, spend have had to you know put in one tenth the infrastructure that i've had to put in and you know i have a legit like it's a legitimate business you know everything from the education company side of things all the way to the schools in nepal that we build it's a big operation and you know they have one tenth of that and they make literally 10 times as much as money as i do from the education yeah. company and once again that's because e-commerce sells because it's the idea of like oh you just hop on your computer throw up some ads and that's it you're a millionaire yeah with the agency i know it's not appealing to most people but hey ho that's life with an agency, you have to learn sales. You have to learn lead generation. You have to learn operations. At some point, you're going to have to have a team. Initially, that should be a contractor that's working on a per month, per client basis. Which, which, which of those five did, did you find the most difficult? Um, Obviously, you're super talented if no, you can do all of them. But, but if, there was one, if there was one that was particularly hard, what, what was it? I'd say actually for me, lead generation. Okay. I, I actually think that too. That's In my head, that's what I thought because yeah. I've always found in any business, or anything really in life in, in the sense of that first initial push through the push through the sort of wall or whatever you want to call it or break through the wall which is essentially like you said getting leads is it's quite hard to i think because it's so un, it goes from being so so sort of up in the air there's nothing quite there to very tangible it's it's really really hard to to really see it i think i mean at, at this point it's the one that i struggle with you know one of the least but for me initially in the first two and a half years where i wasn't running ads to um uh, bring in uh, leads. You know, I remember back in the day, I used to, uh, I used to, you know, these days I still get ten percent of my clients through outreach, right? Where I'm sending a video audit, and you just use a tool called Loom. Um, you know, I've been using it for two and a half years. I've probably sent them like thousands. Plug, plug to Loom, whoever that yeah. is. Um, and you know, that's just a little recording tool on your computer. You can do a video audit straight there. Back in 2017, I used to do it old school. I used to have my camera down. I used to have a yellow, uh, a yellow pad notes and I would shoot an audio, put it into Premiere Pro, cut, edit the cuts, throw it up on YouTube as an unlisted and then send it to them hoping that they would watch it. You know, now you can, you know, with looms, you can crank out 10 a day, high quality looms. Um, so, you know, the volume is a lot better. But for me, the thing that I would struggle with the most reason I say outreach is because reason I never kind of got into cold calling is because like, I just don't like that frame. You know, yeah, never, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah. I mean, it's... <sighs> Yeah, yeah. But that, I'm, that's, I'm with you on that. But that's, on that. but that's because like I am an engineer kind of type. So I, I, any sort of inefficiency kills me. That said, when in your first year, you have to do that. Yeah, no choice. Absolutely you, you, no you choice. You have to do outreach. You know, in your first year, like 
you know, until you're in, in my business, until you're making 20K a month profit, I strongly don't recommend that anyone runs ads because there's risks associated to it. Um, you can do things like, and you know, I've done this in the past. You can have a team of appointment setters, right? And then they're getting paid a point per appointment that they set for you, or they're getting paid 50% of the first month retainer, whatever model you want to use. But my point is like, I think that was kind of the thing I struggled with the most is because like, as I said, I want to, I want to be able to step away from the agency and it still runs entirely. The one thing that I haven't done yet is sales. And I don't think I'm going to give that up for a while. Okay. And go on, go on, elaborate on that a bit. Here's why. And I, you know, cause I, you know, people always look at my stuff and they're like, you, you have maximum efficiency in this. Like, why would you not get it to a point where literally your agency is a self serving beast? Sure. Um, and there's so many things you have to do on top of that to get your agency to the point where it's growing without you. You need to have the right incentives in place. If you're just a, you, you know, if you're just the, um, uh, absentee leader your team is not going to grow you know your your business is not going to yeah grow. for you sure to have the anything right you do if you're not seen to be there then there's complacency isn't yeah. it which is which but is obvious with sales the main reason is because once again it's such low volume you know i found the ideal amount with my agency is to bring on two clients a month you know two to four like four is it it's a little too much for us because once again our monthly minimums are at least three months but or i'll tell you our historical average is 6.8 like that's the amount of months on average they say, so seven months. And that's the clients that leave after three months and the clients that stay 16 months. And my biggest goal this year is to get that up to nine. And I've been sending, uh, signing clients on five and six month retainers only this year. So because of that, I know the lifetime value is so high. I know these clients are staying on. And we, at this point, I've just brought on another performance marketer. So now we have capacity for around 16 to 18 clients, but that's 16 to 18 clients. And I know that on average are staying seven months. So I know that I can really only sit, uh, sign around two new clients a month. So for me to sign two new clients a month, I need to have at the max eight calls. And before, by the time that someone gets on a call with me, they've already done a 15 minute demo with my CMO, Danny, and we're doing around 30 demos a month. And then from there, any clients that he doesn't think um, are, you know, are suitable for us or can afford our services just yet, or they're not the right exact fit, then we'll actually refer those to our, um, our students. And can you divulge into how many clients you have at the moment? So at the moment, 12. Okay. And we're trying to get up to... So that surprises me. I, I would have I've expected more in the sense of how busy you are. Mm. Or, but, but So I mean, I guess to the, in layman's well, term or to the novice... You say what, how busy I am. For my agency, I'm only working... Well, obviously there's an week. element of that as well. But obviously you said you're quite efficient with it. Mm. So why I would ask for someone who's trying to get involved in the sort of business that you're doing, why, why only 12, whether that's, whether that's a, you know, a good or bad thing, and why, why limit the clients? Because to some extent you are limiting the clients deliberately, right? No, so the reason that is because uh, Luis, who's the new performance marketer, prior to that, my t you know, I managed my first ever 100K month profit. I will say that's dollars though. Just to inflate my ego a little, but I've still yet to hit a hundred grand profit pounds. But okay, um, soon, soon, the soon. The, the, uh, the exchange rate's good. At the soon moment. come, but once again, yeah. like I, well, I always speak in pro in uh, profit. No, no business owner out there ever speaks in profit. They're always like, oh, you know, revenue. Well, not so much now. I think I think old school. Uh, I wasn't close enough there. Uh, not 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 so much now, but I think old school businessmen are all you know the sort of turnovers. Well, I've gone the thing, but profit is sanity essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, but I do agree now. Like you said, especially when people are selling, it's all about turnover, turnover, turnover. Mm. And it's, it's, again, which is another great point about what you're doing is you're, you're stressing the point of profit is the only thing that really matters. Mm. Um, but I wanted to slightly, so AI, AI, is it AI, 
no, AIG. I, IG, sorry. AIG is a different company. Yeah, uh, a little bit bigger. So, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but you'll get there. You'll get there. So, um, and then what are the other companies? So you've got your educational company, yeah. which is, is course-led. Is that right? In what sense? In, in the sense that, what I was going to say is you, obviously you, you've been selling a course before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Am I being a complete novice there? Is that right? Yeah. So, so the education company is basically the whole system. Is... Yeah. Well, what I say is, what's the breakdown within within um within the media media space of what you're doing? You've got an educational space. You've got the ad agency. No. So the education company is totally different. It has a different name. Oh, it's, I know. I understand that, but it's within your company structure. Or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Company yeah, structure. Fine, fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got right now it's uh, IG Media. So that's an advertising agency. Agreeagency.com, and then Gadget, which is the clothing line. Okay. Yeah. The merch. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> so um could, could you elaborate on the educational side a bit more in the in the sense of you know obviously that is obviously connected to what you're doing in the pool mm-hmm. is that right um but at the same time you're you're, you're saying courses online mm-hmm. and well, i guess the first question would be we you know we talked about other courses and people who are saying not fraudulent but mm-hmm. slightly you know uh, dream courses that get mm. you get you somewhere very quickly, get rich quick sort of schemes. Mm. What's what would you say is different about your course course specifically compared to them? And then what's what's the aim of the course in general? Yeah. So, you know, the main thing is first of all, you got you always just got to look at the person who is basically runs the company. And the biggest thing is the fact that I selectively run my agency. You know, and it's growing month on month. You know, what I was saying earlier is um, the reason we're only at twelve was because our maximum capacity is eight. And we only brought on Luis 60 days ago at this point. So now we have the capacity for 16. Prior was only ever eight. So, sure. we, so we're getting up to that 16 number. So that's the direct so, just co- cost of the employee and how effective they can be per No, per it's, just with, it's just, you know, one media buyer can only handle eight clients at a yeah. time. Yeah. After that, then things just kind of go to hell. Sure. Okay. Um, and we, I pushed it before to 10 and it was just, it was too much. Um, so the main thing that you need to look at when you're, you know, deciding, you know, what sort of online educational program to look at is who's actually running it. And as I said, the thing is, I still actively run my agency and you can go on my YouTube and you can go back and I've still left all my old videos up and you can go back to 2015 when I'm going to the gym and I'm talking about, you know, how I can't afford to buy new books. So I go to Brixton Bookmongers and I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Go, go look. I've still got all my videos up from 2015, 2016. Uh, in fact, right now with Tristan, we're uh, we're editing up. We're going to do like a one hour long video and shows because a lot of people aren't aware, but a lot of people do look back and they're like, holy shit, like this. I can see the full. T- I can see you in the office of uh, the office of your first big client. I can see you as you signed your first client. Yeah. I can see you as as you talked about how in 2016 you want to make 15 grand. And that that infor- informative journey is, is is so important from anyone observing, I think. I th- yeah, it's because I mean, you, every single thing I've ever done is documented. You know, and then, as I said, the main thing is I still actively do what I teach. And, you know, the funny thing is on any given month, July, July was, or sorry, May was a little different. July was, and August was back to normal. On any given month, I'm making more profit from my agency than I am my education company. Now, one thing I will say, even though the top line revenue is a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The education. But the, now, the, one thing yeah, I will say is the I'm cost an, is so much higher and so on. Yeah. I'm an idiot with the education. Like. I have seven employees. Yeah. You know, I have seven employees. I have, you know, extra staff that just totally isn't necessary. I'll spend 20 grand on a party for my students. And, you know, people have done that before, except they, then they upsell their 20K pack. I didn't sell anything. The only thing I sold was early prototypes for the gadget clothing line. And all that money went to charity anyways. 
And obviously, I mean, just the fact building schools in Nepal, like that's not cheap, you know, to, to, to build the infrastructure, to have two schools um, so far, I'm literally just about to wire the, uh, the payment for the third school, you know, for a thousand so, kids. So just the, the educational uh, company that you have, mm -hmm. is there a particular amount of, should we say profit or turnover that is, is directly going to go to, towards Nepal no matter what? Yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. So it's 10% okay. minimum, but if I'm being honest, last year it was closer to 25%. Okay. And just on the Nepal point, you, how many times have you been there now? Once. Only okay. once. Are you, uh, uh, yeah, I remember was seeing that. was meant to go again this year. Right, okay. Soon enough, soon enough. But they're still building regardless, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, just on a more personal level, on personal satisfaction and everything else, what was it like going to Nepal and seeing it? Because I have to say, you know, when I saw a video of you, um, you there, it, it was, it was, however you produced it, doesn't matter, you know, something that beautiful is, is something that beautiful. And I thought, wow, you know, that, that must have been an amazing feeling on, on your personal level. And similar to, I'm sure when you see students achieve a lot, it must mm. be personally really, really quite, quite a beautiful thing to watch. Mm. What, was, what was Nepal like on, on that aspect? Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts, and I think it was such a, it was such a beautiful moment because, you know, me and the team run everything remote. So first of all, I brought my team out, and just like, that's the thing when you know when we're working on our computer, and you know when I'm taking sales calls, or when you know Danny's running ads for clients, or Kieran's writing copy for clients, or like whatever, um, you know, or or Max is having sales calls, or whoever on the team, like we don't realize what that is actually accomplishing. Like we're just behind a screen. Like we don't realize that that has tangible, like tangible results. Those yeah, those tangible sort of purposeful points are huge. I mean, that's again, we'll talk about it more. But that's that's kind of what is really important to me with what we're doing. Even this conversation, someone watching this, it will be. And if we can then end up seeing that and seeing how it's affecting people or hearing it, will be mm. will be huge. But but sorry, carry on. So you know, those two really pivotal moments in twenty, you know, last year uh, for that was number one, the 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 party, GYA party, because it was just like. You know, we only had space for 150 people that, you know, and once again, didn't charge for that. That was totally yeah. free. Like that just sold out or booked out, uh, you know, in like two seconds. And, um, you know, seeing everyone face to face, like that was just incredible for myself and the team. Yeah. It, it, then, it must be so, I mean, that's the first time you did it, right? Yeah. Quite overwhelming. Almost. Yeah. yeah. No, it was. And it was a very similar sort of thing with Nepal. And um, I think it was so beautiful for me, but... I was equally as happy. I was equally as happy for obviously the impact that we made there, but then also for my team, because as I said, like I want to have a. Uh, a yeah, that's, that's that's huge on a company level for your employees as mm. well. If if not not just not just the the owner mm. being yourself, but everyone else. Yeah, mm. I think that's and that that will on a separate point. You know, employee psychology that's going to keep them there for longer because mm. they've actually feel feel that there's something really 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 important mm. and what's what's going on and. For me, it was just like it's I've wanted to build a synergistic business. So the whole point with the education company is we we give you 10 times the sort of education that universities could give you for one fiftieth or one one hundredth of the price. You know, so we are already changing lives in such a ridiculous way. Yeah. But it's for someone who has access to Internet and a computer. Not everyone has that. So I always wanted to have the whole idea with the education company was to build the best online education company out there, you know, the best online programs. And then from that, take a considerable amount of the profits and then use that to build schools and use that to help and, and build a synergistic flow 
for people who don't have a seat at the table. You know, we we are there to help people who have a seat at the table, who have all you need is internet and a connection. That's it, you know. But some people don't have that, and I've always wanted to do something for those. Yeah. So so it's it's that point of obviously, like you said, it's it is quite easy to go go and at least start something in the sense like you said, it costs very little. But mm. then you're you're thinking a stage down from that. There is a whole side of the world that can't even get to that level so yeah, that, and, that that was that was your real yeah. so foresight there and you know even going there like that's the thing a lot of people will just like you know throw some money at red cross and this and that like no you, bullshit bullshit you, you also also charities now are so big where, where does that go and and i've always thought that as well if if certain things happen for me in a business sense i'd want to either do my own charity or create something where there's not in a control freak manner mm -hmm. but just you know what's going yeah, on you, I, you can you can you can use your business efficiencies that you have and, and use it the right way. And that, that exactly, that's the thing. Like I get an MOU, like I get to see exactly where the money is being spent. Uh, of the 23 people who work in that organization, one is paid. That's it, the only one who lives in uh, UK, Allen. And, you know, I was able to go there with the organization, see the previous schools, see everything. And immediately once I started getting to these communities, the first thing that I was thinking is like, how can I make this a self-sustaining ecosystem? Like I was thinking, okay, the next, you know, outside of the, you know, the, the schools that I build, how can I start putting in some uh, solar panels? That way they've got renewable energy. And then- So funny, I, I've literally gone through this all in my head before. It's just great that you're actually, you're actually doing it and it's, it's now tangible for you. But yeah. um, sorry, sorry, carry on. And, and the other thing is, you know, I'm starting to do cost analysis of like, okay, maybe I could spend this amount to put in a new library, but then maybe it would have been, you know, it's better for me to spend like, you know, just as little as two to three grand to get training in for the teachers for two for a full two weeks and i'm starting to think about it in the way of like almost in the way of like uh that's my little mini business except uh, you know not I, i'm thinking about it from my engineer perspective yeah you're, yeah and and for me with these communities what is like so gratifying is to know that like with most of these communities like they just leave like most people just leave and end up you know working in slave-like conditions in you know abu dhabi and you know india and this and that and most people leave nepal and like the whole thing that we're trying to do, the the heartbeat of a community is their school, you know? And and that's, you know, that became really apparent to me, especially as a, so many of the elders came to me. Like the children were appreciative, but it was the elders. The elders, the elders were, obviously understand. Who were yeah, real, yeah. and they knew what that, that, the elders knew that their that school was the reason that their granddaughter or their grandson would be around. That was the reason that their granddaughter or their grandson yeah what what isn't yeah. going to go and try to find work it's amazing it really is it really is isn't going to go try to find work in some other middle eastern company that's the reason that ah because of this education now i actually have a feasible and that's the other thing that we're you know we were thinking about is what other um special uh you know what what sort of things could these uh students specialize in and we were th we were looking at like what is valued in the marketplace and for example, there, it's actually a lot of like uh, bridge engineers and stuff like that. Because that, that's the thing with Nepal is with all the earthquakes, it's this process of like rebuilding, um, it, you know, when it gets um, uh, torn down, rebuilt, et cetera, et cetera. And we were, you know, like, it's just, I want these communities to thrive. And I don't want to just build a school and it sits there dormant. I want yeah, and like you said, so people can also contribute to their hometown, which I think is mm -hmm. huge. I, I can understand mm -hmm. why that, why that's really important. Um, do you have, a you know what what's the big plan with the educational side not specifically the 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 courses in the company but on the uh building schools is how is there a real i'm, I'm sure there's an astronomical aim mm. could you explain that a bit and also bring it back to 
maybe what's going to you'd hope to do in the next couple of years and then what's the more should we say astronomical plan yeah. of how much impact you can make so i mean the thing with the schools is by the time i die i want to build a thousand schools okay so fund, that, that's the fund that's the landmark and, and number fund and okay. build a thousand schools um and so that's that and once again that will always be a branch of the bigger like you know i'm just step two of a hundred step plan at the moment you know like in from that's the other thing is you all always gotta look at someone's intentions from 2017 way before i ever had an online program or an education or anything or in in that sphere my bio said i'm on a mission reform the education system i didn't yeah yeah i, I we, we should touch on that but yeah i didn't really know how i was going to do it and to be honest at this point i still don't exactly know how i'm going to do it. i have a murky idea but yet you had it in your head regardless but it was always my yeah, intention yeah, yeah. and it will be my intention because here's the thing you get to a point where like like what's more money going to do for me? And you know, you, I get it when you don't have any money. Like I always say, you have to. People through, will say that's very easy for you to say. You, blah, have, blah, blah, you blah. have to go through a paradigm to understand it. And like even when I had no money, me and my mom were on government benefits. You know, like I know what being in that place is like. You have to go through a paradigm to understand it. Even if I, you know, I used to hear people say that. And I'm like, conceptually, I understand that. Like you know, money won't make you happy. But like, eh, yeah, right. You know, you really do have to go through it. So, you know, here's the thing. On my deathbed, will I be happy that, like, will I be happy that I managed to scale my agency to a, a place where I was making a million a month profit? Probably not. Will I be super grateful for the experiences that it's given me? Yes. But in terms of actual purpose and feeling fulfilled, like, I don't know. Like, I feel as though I'm here for something big. And for me, that's the education company side of things. And, you know, there's over the next 30, 40, 50 years, there's a lot of steps. You know, there's a lot of steps. One of the big things that I kind of wanted to convene in as the main thing, and then from there is those branches, is I want to get to a point where in my 40s, 50s, 60s, I open up an academy. So it replaces university. The cost is 100000 a year or something preposterous like that. And for example, someone like myself, I would send, I would pay for my kid to, you know, for pe the people that can afford it, they'll very happily they'll pay 100 grand a year or 200 grand a year or whatever it is for their kid to get the best possible education. You leave that university or you leave that academy with zero qualifications whatsoever, but we have the best meditation experts on earth. We have the best people who have actually built businesses and that's why the fees need to be so high because if someone's actually done something, they're gonna cost money. The best um, biohacking experts, the best um, you know, mental health experts, the best um, accounting experts. Like I want the best of the best and you leave. You, you know, one of the things that's so sad to me is thousands of years ago, education would have been, you picked your school of philosophy and then you went to go study philosophy and philosophy doesn't have this convoluted thing that it is today. Philosophy was, how do you, how, how do, do you approach life? What, what's do what's you your intentions life? through life? And, what do you and so do on, when yeah. someone insults you? What do you do when you're, what do you do when you're having financial difficulty? How do you deal with finance? Like it was literally the, it was a school of life. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, do you know who Alan de, Alan de Botan is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously, I'm sure he's he fits with a lot of what you're trying to do. And and for me, in my own way, a big part of what we will try and do here at Babylonia is that is that is that I think you know I obviously read that that mission statement I sent you, but uh, just before the podcast, by the way, he uh, he I've didn't been, check out. I've been moving in very busy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the big the big thing for me is 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 I really do. Uh, genuinely sort of foundationally believe that educating through conversation is a very good form of education because it it you know 
it's that classic thing of it really engages you, it sparks a curiosity. Mm. And for me personally, touching on what you said about how there's a lot of schooling out there that's not that useful. I went to a, what would be considered a very good school. Mm. But, and it was, it was amazing. Socially, it was amazing. It gave me great opportunities and things like that with regards to people I knew and so on and so forth. But I didn't leave with any, I'd say, core interest. And that leads back to the point about doing these podcasts and interviews and hopefully then doing some more in-depth documentaries is that I, I really, really did, and I'm slightly repeating myself from before, but I just want to stress the point a bit more, that everything I've learned in my mid-20s was through, through listen, listening to other people. Mm. And that's why you're, you're doing a certain route. But if, if we can also educate in this manner, th this will be great. And it's very important to me. And it is definitely a form of, of neuroeducation alongside alongside what you're doing which is obviously fantastic and and on that point you know i know you do master classes mm. do they and i've been thinking about this as well as on an in an event space how useful can it be and then obviously you've got certain conferences where it's loads and loads of people and there's a few there's a few um there's a, there's a bunch of experts who speak to you but you don't really interconnect with them mm. um and I think if I, we were to ever get to a stage where we do events, I'd want them really small and really, 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 I guess, intimate and give people a chance and not necessarily, because I know, you, I remember you saying masterclasses for you aren't really about the money at all. You, you charge Ma a decent amount. Masterminds. Ma sorry, masterminds, yeah. yeah. Um, but people use masterclasses. Masterclasses, masterclasses yeah. right. Um, so uh, when you do those, mm -hmm. it's not really for money, is it? It's, it's simply just interaction. And I'm obviously you make a bit of money. It's, it's, it's a fair amount. Yeah. In, in a cost perspective it breaks even on but, it, but that is that is that real integration is really what's helping people grow right and it's the conversational aspect and once again i do my masterminds five it's five people six max yeah that's so, so how much money can you really make yeah out so of that I, sort of I don't do events because yeah. once similar sort of thing like okay great i'm gonna you know speak on stage and this like but we're not gonna be able to you're not gonna have a game plan by the end of it so i do a two-day mastermind i don't even do them anymore um but did them you know in 2018 and 2019 now it's just uh, not really worth my time to be honest um but do you, do you feel now and then you would always do one i will always do one because for me there's nothing like that thrill of seeing a student face to face and the interaction and, aspect and yeah. the interaction and like going deep and by the end getting a problem and like because most of the time you know people have and and you know i get to do all my live q a calls you know i have two programs in one program you know every two weeks i'm on there but we have a call every week my um uh, product manager does the one in betweens the other ones there's two calls a week so, you know, I have a lot of, um, on any given week, I'm doing two calls with my community. Um, so I have that sort of one-on-one uh, -on -one time and that's all via a Zoom audio. So I'm literally speaking one-on-one -on -one with a person and, you know, those are going on for hours. So I like to break apart people's problems and a lot of time what people think their issue is, it's something totally different. But that face-to-face -face aspect, aspect is so fulfilling. Nothing like it. And, yeah. and on top of that, it, again, it relates to the other points like Nepal and everything else, mm. seeing it seeing it in the flesh is, is huge. Um, the mission to reform the education system. So again, we sort of dipped and dived into it, but what's, what's I guess why would be the question. What, why has that been, even when you didn't quite know what it was, why is that so significant to you? Um, does, it, does it have elements of what I said about how, regardless of what, I went to quite a good school, but I didn't really leave with interest. And, and obviously now, you know, we talk about this, more privately but you know everything from diet a holistic aspect to life which is so important and i do really think people are starting to understand that more mm. um 
is it those aspects and see, seeing people not really leaving with core interests that make you think and also the fact that you've obviously been lucky enough and myself to discover stuff that really really interests us mm. in an early stage in our life in, in in a grand perspective is that the sort of elements of that alongside a, a bigger driver for me it's just like how do you fix every single problem on earth education like it's as simple as that like how do you fix every single for the most part every single political issue we have education like and that's why you know when i talk about education i'm talking and when i have my final aspiration of that academy you know i said where it's a preposterous amount of money but that also subsidizes some of the um uh, scholarship students sure. and then with those scholarship students the plan is for the 10 years after they leave university 10 percent of everything they make they have to donate back to the school and then that once again helps the new scholarship students and the schools that we're building in underdeveloped countries and this whole ecosystem so, so you and I, I i sort of agree with you on this mm -hmm. but you you see education as it has a ripple effect uh, essentially Ed in, 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 in the world which obviously makes total sense to anyone if we educated properly we would not have an obesity issue yeah if we totally agree if we had an education problem we wouldn't have nine and you know there's there's so many industries like for example education is important to me i i despise the pharmaceutical industry i despise the medical industry you know 99 percent of it for me i don't the the way to tackle that isn't to go after pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry for me it's to educate the people using the products yeah of, yeah educate and off, obviously off, offer some sort of solution whether that is just through education and they go down their own route or, or yeah, whatever for example, it may and be. that's why like you know it's it, you, sometimes people are like even in my program um in my programs they're like it's weird you've you you know i in one section of the program one week of the program i'll spend 10 hours talking about how to optimize sleep biohacking um uh, meditation uh, how to get really zoned in on your foot and you know it seems like it has nothing to do with business but it has everything to it, do with it business. does it completely does and and funny enough when i was when i was more your age i didn't really care about that mm. and it only sort of i'd say mid-20s it really became significant because obviously i i always uh i was always into sort of keeping fit and that sort of thing but mm. when you really start to understand and i hope i really i really hope that people listening to this who aren't aren't there yet really take this on board but when you really start to understand the full circle nature of mm -hmm. being efficient in your life and business and, and the gra gratification you will get out of that which which comes down to the obvious points like you said you know it, it, being healthy in every aspect of life mentally physically which means you do have to put in the work on, on the surrounding variables towards your business which is you being the best person you can be which means you need to be fit you need to feel healthy you need to feel alive and sharp you need to have very good sleep that's so 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 important and it's it's again it's interesting that you you've talked about that you talked about that so much to your students and it, it aligns with the point you're making is that is that that's not really taught in schools mm. and some people say oh well being hippies or it's a bit holistic holistic but it's it's just not it it really intertwines with being efficient on a human level which means that you can be efficient in in your business and um yeah i just think it's amazing that you're doing that really yeah and, and like i said also when i talk about education like my medium is advertising but like also like that's the other thing with my programs. It's like, you know, people at the end, they do want that result. They want to have a business that makes a good amount of money. They want, uh, you know, a certain lifestyle or whatever. But like, I also use that as a way to get people in. But then I'm going to I'm going to trick you into teaching you stuff that you didn't think you wanted to know. Like, yeah. I'm going to treat uh, trick you into teaching you how to deal with anxiety. And like, like the fact that at school, we aren't taught about how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with depression, how to deal with mental health. But we're, we're forced down our throats. Maths is 
Pro- I'm not saying there's not a place for maths. Well, just, I was going to say that the, the theory is relevant, I think. I'm but, not saying there's to the level that it's pushed, I'm I agree. I'm saying past the age of 13, I don't think you should force anyone to do anything. That's a very big statement. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, 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 I don't know what I, would be I, Mars. I'm not I, sure if I'm with you or not, but, I have, but, but I've why? Written, why would be the point? I've written a copy that sold millions, and I didn't study English lit. At, I'm a, I mean, I'm a high school dropout. Mm. That didn't teach me at all. For me, the best way that I learned how to write. But golf. at the same time, you're a big reader. Exactly. Yeah. But that's not school. Mm. Nothing. Mm. Nothing in school taught me to read. All of my, I, I had. But fu- fundamentally, I would say, and and I'm ve- I'm actually very with you on a lot of this. I'm sort of playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. to some extent. But the the concept of being forced to read certain books, even you know, it's that classic thing of you know, if you're parenting a kid, you they may be annoyed at you when they're six about something you taught them discipline wise, but mm-hmm. when they're twenty, they'll appreciate it. There's an element of that with some of the stuff within the education system that we have that I do appreciate. Mm-hmm. I do really appreciate. So I'm sort of half half with you on that. Here, here's the thing. So for you know, I always think about like parenting and like you know, with me, like you know, very far down the line. But I look forward to fatherhood. And I've always thought, you know, even at early age, very down the line, very <laughs> down the line. I've always thought, you know, how would I um, approach it? And here's the thing with my kids. They can do what if they want to become a painter, if they want to become an artist, if they want to become a de- like whatever they want to do, I will nurture it and you have my blessing. There are only a certain few things that I will force my kids to do. Some of those will include meditation, reading and um, learning philosophy, whatever school of philosophy they resonate with or a philosophy uh, and a way of life. Um, that and maybe a couple of you know they'll have to do a sport i don't care what it is but a sport at a high level you know that discipline and that i think that teaches you so much but i don't think school is the place where you force kids like there's there's no real class for like oh you have to read at least two books a month i agree there's certain things like that but i'm saying until the age of 13 you learn everything you need to know about math and this, the, fun, just, the fundamentals I'm are essential, essential a, regardless, maybe right? Maybe even 15. Yeah, you know? yeah. But there, there is a cutoff point where like you should not be forced to either do chemistry, biology, or what's the, what's the other one? Physics. Physics, yeah. Yeah, like well, I, I, I did I, biology and I learned nothing except I know so much about the human body it, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, But the stuff that actually matters. Well, it, it is that. I, I agree with you in the sense that you, people need to find their interests at an earlier age mm. and there's not enough options out there. Um, some people would argue, and I've got family who are in, involved in the educational system, especially in universities, and, uh, but some of them would argue that you have that offering by having, say, A-level, so you start to go specialised. Um, but the problem is, 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 is I also, I think it's too much theory. There's not enough practical learning, which I've, I feel is a big part for you, right? Mm. Yeah, 100%. Like, here's the thing. You know, I say all this stuff from, you know, until the age of 18, nothing will change. Like, I don't ever think the education system will change from, you know, the, the Prussian system that it is right now, mm. you know, outdated old. But luckily, that's the beauty of online education. That's the beauty of you, like that. That's what the whole thing that I'm and about. We're definitely is, going that way. I think obviously the COVID situation, bad situation, but has accelerated mm. a lot of issues for sure. Yeah. And, and here's here's my main issue with uh, education and especially higher education is it's not decentralized and the incentives are wrong. I don't think people understand that until I think it was somewhere in the late sixties, uh, it was somewhere in the late sixties where governments actually started to, um, uh, guarantee student loans or at least start to, um, 
increase the or, or they basically started to to step in the fact that the government guarantees student loans is one of the most harmful thing to students and people don't realize it and let me tell you why Harvard charges sixty thousand a year because it knows it can. Because it knows it's, that well, it's a marketplace, isn't it? At it, the end of the day, and, and you know, and here's the thing: I think even if governments didn't uh, guarantee student loans, Harvard could still charge sixty k because Harvard is like, you know, the Ferrari or, or Richard Mille. It, like, there's certain brands that can just kind of do whatever they want. But your average university, you know, maybe you're you're from top ten to top thirty, and you know, th uh, they're on. I guarantee you, within the space of five years, their education, their fees will be slashed by 90% because they have incentive. You know, I'm, I'm very, you know, I have altruistic tendencies and, you know, I price my programs very compelling because I have to, because there's actually competition in my market. And, and, you know, people are paying out of pocket. But if the government, you know, if tomorrow the government says, you know what, for anyone, if you want to buy online education programs, we're going to guarantee you a 2K loan. And you can pay back kind of whenever you want. Yeah, I, there is a there is a danger to that. Or they're, they they say we're gonna give you five k. I'm I'm just being honest. My price are gonna raise I, because I know everyone is. It's a guarantee because there's someone there to finance it, and that's the, also the other crazy thing about student loans is like people actually think they're free. So like, what, your your qualm with it, I guess, is what it's 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 encouraging get, complacency get, to get, some extent. Get, get government out of education because they shouldn't be there. Yeah, higher education. That is not the government. I mean, for the government, you know, 80% of what the government does is not their role and they don't understand. Like if you actually look into what, if you understand what the government is there to do, 80% of what they do, they should not, what they've done is they've gone ahead and put their claws into different um, privatized sectors, for example, like education and try to get involved and they've always made it worse. And my issue, as I said, with education is you've got these inflated fees and student and, and, you know, this this narrative from the age that you're, you know, from basically from birth that you have to go to university, yeah. you have to go. You're to not going to achieve unless you go to university or, and, or you're not necessarily going to get really where you need to be. And, and the thing is, the universities, there's no refunds. Yeah, there's there's no refunds. They don't have to track success. Point, there's no refunds. You yeah, know, there's yeah. no refunds. That's, that's, they don't they don't yeah. have to track success. And the other thing is they, they just don't really care. And there's no incentive for them to care because they said they know that no matter what. And I think it might even as the government still backs students loans. I think at least even after the next four or five years, things are starting to change. But the other thing is the mentality of it. Like most students actually think that their student loan is free. Like most people, like, and not only like the student loan for school. It's, it's true. The first time I took a loan, I, um, I just, I just didn't really realize what it was. And, and as a result, it, you know, for a while it, 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 it took a hold of me. And then when you have that thing, you know, two, three years down the line, you're like, oh shit, now I've actually got to do something. It's, it's a fucking nightmare. And it's a, it's a, that's intertwined with the concept that you're quite young taking on that sort of debt, which I think is very dangerous. And, and, and on top of that, illegal. well, almost, yeah, I'd, I'd almost be with you on that. And the, se the second part is it's, it's that default of, well, maybe I'll go do it because the money's free. Whereas if, if they, you really had to value, it's like that classic, it sort of reminds me of when some people say, when you get your parents' money, you know, you, you don't really care about it because you haven't earned it yourself. Mm. Same concept, like if you don't, if you don't really earn it or you know the value of it because it, it is, like you said, sort of free, then it can wrap you up in debt, number one, in the long run. But number, number two, you, just, you may do it by default anyway when arguably some sort of maybe more local school or a, uh, maybe academy or apprenticeship scheme would be so much more useful for that person. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just to totally with you on that aspect. And then on top of that, the, 
going back to sort of the Nepal incident, uh, the Nepal situation, your people should be if people can contribute closer to home by educating close to home and then doing something within their community, just on a human level, that's mm-hmm. that's better for that person. So. Yeah, I'm I'm really with you on that. You've actually convinced me a bit more. Yeah, and um, and, and here's the thing, like, you know, an 18 or a 19 year old, if they try to buy a 300,000 pound house, or you know, a 150,000 pound house with no previous credit score or credit history, they're never gonna get and no earning potential. They make no money. They're never gonna get approved. Why do we give that to students? And and here's the thing, and, and you know, then you know, some people will say, I, I think personally, I think if you get a student loan. I either privatize it or the government can do it. But I also think they should look at what degree are you making and what's your earning potential. And then and then based off of that, give you either reject or approve you for a student loan. And then I know that there's going to be tons of arts students who are going to be like, no, that's unfair. I'll never get a student loan. No, because you know what's going to happen? The universities are going to slash their fees by 90% because they know that's the only way they're going to get people through the door because they know wholeheartedly. I don't if you want to make 32K a year at the age of 40, you have my biggest blessing. That's amazing if you're doing something that you love, but your education to get to that income should not be 100K. That's my biggest issue with it. And and that's, as I said, that's the whole thing with the education program, it, it, with the whole, whole education company is we are for one 100th or one 300th or one 30th, depending on where you are in the world, we're going to give you a better education, 10 times the education in terms of First of all, life experience, life skills, tangible life. Um, you know, we're gonna teach you everything in my program. I teach everything from accounting, PNL, uh, PNL, uh, how to read PNL statements. I might have to uh, take that course myself, actually. <laughs> you know, every, everything from accounting, everything to operations, sales, human psychology, biohacking, like the full service delivery, advertising, copy, the full spectrum, right? So within our industry, you know everything you could possibly ever need to know, and. You know, with that, as I said, you got to look at your earnings potential because, you know, let's be honest, most people don't go to university because they enjoy their degree or whatever. They're going there. It's default. I really do think it's a default choice. I think just, well, one might as well. Yeah, no, and 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 then before you you know it, how you get to that outcome of what you want to make financially, you know, even if that's only 70K a year at the age of 50 or whatever, you still know that that's the steps you need to go, you know, in order to eventually one day be a bookkeeper, you know. But as I said, if your earning potential at the age of 50 is 50 grand, you should not be charged. And, you know, in your 20s, you're only making 20K a year, 22K a year, you know, um, uh, uh, minimum wage. You should not be charged 100K to learn those skills. It's preposterous. Yeah, I, I see your passion in it. It's, it's, yeah, I see your passion in it. And it's also that other thing is you, you then, as soon as you leave university, you have to get a job and your freedoms, freedoms are restricted in the so business or entrepreneurial sense because you immediately got worry about the debt that you're in yep. which is obviously so you know it's it's, it's so restricting um plus couple, I'm, just, I'm just being honest like i i've i'm you know my team is nine now i yeah. have not a single person have asked for the resume uh, yeah i can yeah i can agree with you more on that not a single it's, person no, not a, I can tell you from someone. Who, there's a few places where there's qualifications do matter. Hundred percent, but, it's, but, I'm but it's so at, I'm it's so at, irrelevant. I'm looking at yeah. Look, I mean, at the day, if you want to become a doctor, go to university. Like, here's like you know, some of my friends. There, there are fundamental jobs that need a certain level of training so, and so a really I'm, real deep understanding of theory. I think exactly. that's very true. So, so look, some of my friends want to go on to become uh, you know incredible doctors, um, incredible lawyers, stuff like that. You know, and I think they're 
you know, I have so much respect for them. If you know, you're a lawyer or, you know, if you want to become a lawyer or a doctor, just disregard everything I've said for the past hour or whatever, you know, but if you want to become an entrepreneur and if you, you know, your kind of final outcome is like, you want to live a life where you've got financial freedom, time freedom. Yeah. I would, I would, freedom. I would say not even necessarily full on entrepreneur, but just the freedom element is the big yeah, part. Even, even if you just want to be a solopreneur, you know, as I said, me alone, just me, myself and I have gone to 15 K a month when I was 17, mm. just a solopreneur as a service provider. Um, so it's for the people who are watching that or people who potentially want to start a business, maybe in a different industry or this or that, um, you know, that's where it counts. And, you know, in my industry where I have an advertising agency and an education company of the 10 hires, I've, you know, we have 10 full time. I've had more hires in the past, but of the 10 full time people I have now, not a single person have asked their resume, you know, like my, my interviews are very uncomfortable and like, you know, Tristan's nodding his head because what, what was the first question he asked you? Do you remember? Was it very invasive? I can imagine it was. Did, did you actually? I, you, <laughs> no, because here, so I, the way that we do hiring is my team will. Because if you do have a girlfriend, then you won't have time for the business. <laughs> no, 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 because the way that I hire is, you know, we'll have 50 to 100 to 150 applicants, depending on what position we're, we're hiring for. You know, and then from there, that'll get, you know, 70% will just get disqualified because we'll uh, basically, I do some sort of vetting process and then Danny or Kieran or whoever it is. But if the team, vetting process is, uh, process is not um, resume based at all, or is it, is it, it no, is at not. that, it no, is at that not. stage and no, then it becomes no, it's not, not so much later. So no. it's ne never, no. never at any point. No, never, no, at, never at any point do I ask what university you, have you gone to or a CV ever. I will ask previous work experience and, you know, a myriad of other questions. Fine. So you're totally concerned with the practical experience. Yeah. And then from there, Danny and or Kieran or whoever is on my team, you know, relating to it will do the rounds of interviews. And from 50 people, they'll bring it down to probably five. Right. And then from there, I'll do the second round of interviews. And then I'll also usually do a third round of interviews. And from there, um, I know at that point, maybe in the second round of interviews, I might ask some skill based questions to, you know, because Danny, uh, you know, Whoever it is that's done the interviews before, for the most part, you know, they know that they have the skills necessary to do the job. Now, I might have some other follow-up questions based on skills. That last interview, the last interview I do, by the way, my number one goal is to dissuade someone to work for me. Like why? Because I so I've moved this mic a bit. Sorry about that. Because <laughs> I, I I want them to know the ugliest sides of the job, you know, and I want to dissuade them. And if they still want to do it, then you know, then we're gonna have a great time. So what that for you is, is, and that third, do they, do, do they, do they buy into it? Be it buy into the vision, I guess. No, because on, I want to give them a realistic, realistic situation. Uh, and and yeah. I, I want to have their expectations here of what it's going to be like being a part of this organization. And then the reality to be here. And I'm also going to ask them really uncomfortable questions on their character and lifestyle. You know, the reason in, you know, for a videographer role, um, you know, create a manager role, uh, girlfriend is important is because like the reason I asked is because we might be abroad for four to six weeks. So I asked that and the follow-up question after like that. Uh, after so just that, to be clear, you don't have a girlfriend? Oh, you do? Oh, oh. <laughs> you've managed it well. Okay, fine. So the follow-up question after that was, what do you consider a long time away from your girlfriend? So these are some of the... So I guess, I mean, I mean, not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but that's quite, dare I say, it, caring, caring to some extent because you don't want people to, you understand the need for yeah. a personal life and everything else. No, and, and I, I, other questions I asked, I've asked um, uh, team members of mine, I asked team members of mine, how much are they paying rent? Who's paying the rent? You know, if it's someone who's younger or maybe they live with their parents as an example, um, 
or so or, so you're really obsessed with I'm trying the, to the, 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 inter, the integrated aspect of, of them as a human and their human life alongside mm -hmm. if that fits with them as, a, as in, in a business circuit in a workplace and so on when I'm bring when I'm you know hiring someone first things first is I'm looking you know at the end of the day I need to know that they can give me what I want out of the role but I also want them to know that I can give them what they want out of the role you know it's synergistic so that's where I'm asking those really uncomfortable questions. As, a, as opposed to the more classic view of um, just make me money, make me money, make me yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because at, at the end of the day, like I have, I, you know, my team have been around for a long time, you know, the core members. And like, you know, with my team, we talk in 10 year terms. You know, the plan is for everyone to be around for a long, long time. And um, said I want, they need to be able to serve me, but then the organization and myself needs to be able to serve them. And then that's where you have really incredible company culture. So I ask some really uncomfortable questions, but that's because like I need to understand their logistics and their life setup and then also character fit. Um, and I'll, you know, it's funny because uh, for some of the other roles, I even ask like dummy questions or like questions to trip so, them up. Such as? Like, for example, um, for the media buyer role, um, you know, we just brought on a new media buyer. One of the questions was how many times do you travel in 2019? And, you know, the, the answer, you know, for the most part, um, or like 70% of people I'd say were like, oh, I traveled, you know, to seven different places and there were eight different places. Or some people will say, oh, I only traveled once, but I'd love to do it more because I can tell they're giving me the answer they think that I want to hear. The answer that I want to hear is zero. I don't, I don't want my media buyer chilling in Bali and this, like me, oh, me and all the team are very boring. You know, we don't travel that much. We go to bed early. You travel for work, I guess, but travel for work if I yeah, have to. Yeah. But you know, we don't travel that much. We go to bed early. We um, we read our. So you're a very stats. exciting twenty year old. Just to just to be clear, man. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every, on on the team call, we go. You know, I give every uh, single one of my team members a aura ring when they join the company. Because you want to know how they sleep. Yeah, that's one. You know, I do. I do think about that. <laughs> that's like, a little bit invasive. I, but I, I do get. think about that. I'm like sometimes, I think that's a little bit of an invasion of privacy. But everyone does that mean it. you know when your employees are having sex? Yeah, it's funny enough. There was this one time. <laughs> I was literally just thinking that. I was like, was I'd, I'd, be ta I'd be taking that off. There was this you know one time I mean? where we were going over stats with the team, and that's the thing. We go on the team call. We go over it, so it's not like I'm just there looking at it on my own. Um, but uh, we go over it, and it was like clear that someone's heart rate spiked around. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Well, we won't mention who, which employee that is. Um, first of all, fuck me, that was intense. Um, secondly, we'll we'll finish with a few points. I think I think yeah. we're about done. Uh, I want to I want to sort of explain explain something to you. Um, God, how do I explain this? So obviously I met you, what, a year and a half, two years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, you're younger than me. And I've been the younger entrepreneur as well. Uh, but I found myself obviously very interested in what you're doing. Obviously, it was more of a friendship basis, basis at first and still is. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, I started to understand what you're doing and, you know, you obviously see things and so on and so forth. You're, what's, what is very evident, in my opinion, about you? And I, I, it's hard. It's funny because my point about you being younger is when I first looked at you in this capacity, my ego was like, well, he's younger than me. I can't really maybe have an admiration for the guy. Mm. Um, but you have a real driver to, to, and one of your main drives is obviously your, your mother. And I have that same thing. And a big, a big part of, uh, sorry, I'm actually getting emotional talking about this, but a big part about my drive is, 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 is the mother aspect. 
And I think it's so amazing that you're doing you, that, that, that. That's such a big driver alongside the educational side. I think it's, I think it's really, really beautiful. And I just want to say, even though I'm 10 years older than you, I really admire you for that aspect. So I just wanted to put that on camera. Um, finally, uh, three, three important questions. <laughs> big deal. Um, three important questions. Uh, sorry, I didn't plan that. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I just, I just think it's amazing, man. It, it, if I, I have the parallels that you have in the sense that I, I have a single mum background and, um, I'm, you know, not saying my, my dad was around and stuff like that, that's cool, but, but my mum did work very hard on her own mm. and everything she sacrificed, which gives me the freedom now to have an entrepreneurial spirit and have the freedom to not necessarily worry about every aspect of work or financial elements from day one. That's been huge for me, and I, and I see you go through that. And the fact that you've done it so long, I think people should really know how amazing that is. I think, and, and I think people should really understand that, that like you said, that, that required real grit. It was not glamorous. What you have now is you have an element of glamour, but your commitment to who you are is, is, is so amazing to watch, even for someone who's older than you. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a big deal. Um, but th- listen, fr- three last questions. Number one, who's business idols? Hmm. Have, you, have you got quite a few or um to be honest I, I don't really have any business idols most of the idols i have or like most people I look up to are more like in the spiritual realm um just because I, f- I find so many business people are just so out of whack but like I, there's things i respect in people like elon musk's just his ballsiness is so commendable yeah i, th- I think people are, yeah, yeah. I, I am with you it's, it's hard to ignore him isn't it? um jeff bezos is just like his you know, his foresight and the fact that he can think in five, 10, 15, 20 year planes. Um, and, you know, outside of that, like, to be honest, for me, like most of the people I respect are kind of dead a long time ago. And like, they're, they're more uh, philosophers, they're more um, uh, spiritual healers, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because I, th- I think the best thing you can do is take something like the best thing anyone who's in, you know, a little bit more woo woo spiritual can, the best thing they can do is find someone who can counteract that in terms of like very, um, just very meticulous uh, sort of business-minded person to counterbalance that. You know, myself, someone who's quite a meticulous business person, like I like to look and aspire towards people who are more spiritual or philosophical and like learn and always think in those situations, like what would this person do? Okay, cool. Um, the two others are ideal uh, morning routine. Ideal morning routine, uh, very, very simple. Wake up, well, I'll just tell you my morning routine. Wake up, uh, wake up, I sit in front of my juve. Uh, so that's red light therapy. Sit in front of my juve and I look at my SBA, um, which is basically this uh, kind of um, manifesto on like what I want my life to be and the way I want to show up every day and carry myself. And it's uh, printed out. So uh, wake up, uh, stand in front of my juve with my SBA. From there, go to the gym, work out. After that, come back. Uh, cold shower, uh, meditate, and then get to work. And do you do it every time? Yeah, you're you're, you're very very efficient in that. No matter yeah. what. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Only thing that I'm starting to think about potentially adding is after my workout, steam room, sauna, and cold plunge. Yeah, but I, most of the time I like to do that in the nights. Okay. And the third question was I've forgotten. Oh yeah, three favorite books. What? So we'll do it now. The last the last question is. Uh, what are your f- three favorite favorite books 
not necessarily business books in general, but mm. just books that really, really caught you. So it could be a mix of both or whatever it is. Um, reality Transurfing. By? Uh, crap, I also forgot his name. Z Russian dude. Okay. It's actually a Russian book translated. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of five books to put together. Um, nuts. Um, Psycho-Cybernetics. Uh, I think it's Maxwell schultz or something like that okay um but yeah just look up a uh, reality transferring psycho cybernetics and then outside of that either way of the superior man david data or thank you by the way he bought me that book uh, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah you did yeah uh, or uh probably marcus aurelius meditations cool cool all right kids read those books uh all right so basically awesome thank you very much it was it was a great chat Pretty intense. Didn't realize how long it went. Yeah, yeah, of course it did. It was me and you, don't <laughs> worry. Um, but yeah, thanks very much. That was awesome. Cool. Boom.